Good morning, good morning, good morning. Can we get another hand clap for Jesus? As my boy, as my boy from a few years ago would say, Jesus Christ, we love you, God. Uh, how y'all doing today? Good? Me too. Y'all don't mind if I pull up a chair, do you? Okay. Pull up a seat. Pull up a little little seat here so I can uh, get up close and personal with you. Does it sound okay out here? It sounds like it's real. It sounds cool? Okay. How y'all doing today, everybody? What's going on? What's up? What's up? What's up? It's good to see your faces. Uh, it's a blessing to be here in front of you, get to, get to uh, share what God has given me. He be teaching me stuff sometimes, sometimes, just sometimes he be teaching me some stuff. So I get the privilege and the opportunity to share it uh, from time to time. But, but yeah, so I hope everybody's weekends were great. Shout out to that amazing worship. That's, that's actually like one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite get hype uh, praise songs. So that was a special request. So thank y'all, worship team. I appreciate y'all <laughs> for doing that. But um, but no, we can uh, we can kind of get right into this. I also want to shout out my wife. What's up, babe? How you doing? Hey, you come over here. Sorry, am I supposed to say that? I'm not. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, but no, you know what? We've been in this series, as you all know. Um, just kind of going through the armor of God, the full armor of God, and I have been uh, tasked slash blessed to be able to talk about a specific piece of that armor today myself, right? So, kicking this off, we're going to talk a little bit, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about truth today. Truth. We're going to go in on it, too. We're going to go in, all right? Um, the funny thing about truth is it's something that we all care about. Right? Whatever, like y'all say y'all care about truth, right? I know y'all do. Because there's too many people out here that say, I never lie. I'm not a liar. One thing I can't stand is liars. So I know y'all care about truth. Don't say everything like you, like you don't. I know you care. <laughs> but it's funny that there are, there are people out here who claim that they do care about truth, but their actions, the things that they say, it doesn't match up with what it is that they're actually saying. I even heard somebody at one point when we're talking about like the truth of God, the truth of, of who he is in our lives, I even heard somebody say at one point that if God came and sat right next to him, they still wouldn't believe. And I was like, man, that's not, that's beyond like anti, that's anti-God, that's not even atheism. That's like, you just hate him. <laughs> like, like why, you, why, why you gotta be like that? <laughs> um, but the thing is, right, if we really care, if we really desire to live in truth, if we really desire to want to be true, to care about the things of truth, especially the things about the truth of God, um, we, have, we have to like come to a, I guess I would say like a certain foundation. Like, like, let, let, me, let me play this with you guys, right? Um, is it true that the universe itself had a start? Whether you, whether you, whether you believe in God or not, the universe had a start, right? Okay, we can, we can agree on that. Cool, that's true. Um, everybody in here has a mother, right? You came, everybody in here came from a woman. It, it's, it's just true, otherwise we wouldn't be here, right? Um, here's another one. 
the Rams were the greatest, St. Louis Rams was a way better franchise than the Kansas City Chiefs ever will be. No? No? Not, not true? Okay, maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's an opinion and not true. <laughs> but if anybody don't know you, I'm, I'm St. Louis in, at heart. I just, my family here. So, <laughs> but those are just some, like, some really basic, basic examples, right? Like really basic examples. And we see that we're not waving or, or wandering or doing away with any of those things except for maybe one, right? <laughs> except for maybe one. We can talk about that. But the interesting thing about truth, do we see how everyone got like so emotional about something that they didn't consider was true, right? Like, like that speaks to how important truth really is, right? Um, my favorite Bible writer talks about this. Uh, his name goes by the name of Paul. Anybody's ever heard of him? He wrote a lot of the New Testament. <laughs> but he talks about this, right? He talks about the importance and the validity of the resurrection um, in the truth of our faith, which is a huge thing, right? He, ta he talks about this, and, and I'll go into it a little bit later, but um, we have to understand that we have faith. We have the, the faith that we have is, is there to carry us through. It's there to push us through in our beliefs. Um, and with that, we have to understand and know that we got to kind of put on the belt, if you will. <laughs> so remember, uh, we're in our series, Tool Up. We riding out. And we have been walking through, uh, we've been walking through the, the good old scripture um, that really talks about putting on the full armor of God. So I'm going to go ahead and read that for you guys. Uh, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Uh, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in heaven. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand, 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 therefore, with the truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. Every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. That was a mouthful, but it's so important. It's so important, and it's so, um, so prolific that that is actually our series scripture as we're talking about this. Uh, I'm going to go back to what we're specifically talking about today and just kind of go in a little bit. Verse 14, stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. Um, Minister Kenya kind of went in on this a little bit a few weeks ago when she uh, opened up with, with the actual series opening itself, but... Um, I think that's so uh, important that Paul decided to say we need to stand with truth, like the belt around our waist. And I'm going to talk about why that's so significant in a little bit. Um, but it's interesting that we really have to stand with it. And, and, and I don't think that stand is just 
just some type of like stand up, but like really set your feet in stone. Flat footed, not backing down from anything. Really stand there and prepare yourself with the truth of God, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the Holy Spirit. All right. So let's kick on, kick on forward with this. All right. So yeah, here's, here we are. I stole this uh, graphic from you. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> here we are this week um, with the armor of God, right? So the question that I have for myself is why is the belt significant? Like it's a belt. Like who really cares? And with a little looking deeper um, with the correlation that's being made to Roman armor, right? The Roman soldier's armor. The belt is more than just like that fashionable stuff that we wear. Y'all remember, I don't know if y'all did this like back in high school, especially my, my millennials. Did y'all have the belts, like the belt with the name on it and like you tuck the front, you tuck the front in. I seen some fancy people, it was some fancy people back in the day. They had the belt and then they changed the game. They had the belt that had the marquee. So you had your nickname, like Ant Dog or something like, and you was just walking around the mall. Which uh, is it? Whatever. <laughs> it was here too? Okay, so, so y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like super country, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> super country, I don't know where, where in the where that came from. But the, the belt that, that, um, that scripture like we just read is talking about, it's not that, uh, that fashionable thing just to look good. Hopefully they'll, they'll make their enemies weak with their dashing good looks and their incredible style. Like it wasn't anything like that. The belt had several functional purposes, right? Number one, it held all their weapons. They're, if they're in battle, they're on, they're on the, this massive field, it held all their weapons so that they can be ready to pull whatever sheath or whatever it may be, boomerang, I don't know, they probably didn't have boomerangs there. Uh, but anyway, it was also there to give the soldiers support. Now you gotta think, in these old, old times, in these old, old times, the soldiers, there weren't cars, I don't even, they had chariots, okay, but you're not carrying thousands and hundreds or even dozens of men in one, two, three chariot, chariots, right? It's just not efficient. These guys had to walk. They had to march in step. So the belt was there as, as support. I don't know how many fitness people we got in here. I don't know if, if we got any people who worked any warehouse jobs. You know the, the, the safety belts that they have? You can think of this in the same way. This is the support that the Romans belt actually had and took as well as they went into battle or did whatever duties they had to do bending all of these awkward ways, lifting whatever tools that they needed. They needed the support of the belt, all right? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It also gave the soldier extra protection around their abdomen. Like the belt itself wasn't like just this little skinny little thing that you could slide. Like it kind of came up a little bit, right? So it will protect their abdomen. You got to think if you're in battle, if you're fighting the enemy and it's hundreds of guys surrounding you at all directions, Anybody could just come up and, you know, stick you while you're fighting two guys with swords. I don't know if y'all like seen 300 and all that stuff, but some of those guys like Maximus Meridius, he was, he was cold. I don't know about the average soldier, but seeing them fight three guys, of course somebody could just come and uh, stick you in your journal. Um, <laughs> right, listen, y'all gotta bear with me. I'm gonna have so many like different references that y'all may or may not know about. And I'm not gonna take the time to explain them, but Come talk to me after, and I will give you notes. <laughs> give you notes, <laughs> right? But the other thing about this belt is it was also the foundation for everything. So 
literally everything on the soldier's body, all of his armor, everything that he used to put on was the foundation at the belt. It was either hooked in some way, if it needed to be, it was hooked in some way to their belt, right? I remember, so I'm a, I'm a photographer, like by trade, right? And there was a point in my life where I was doing a lot of like weddings. I would shoot a lot of weddings. And if y'all have been to a wedding and you've noticed, just by happenstance, the photographer working the wedding, they're moving, they're zipping back and forth, doing this, crouching down, rolling down the aisle, trying to not be seen, but trying to get the shots. Pretty busy job, totally non-biased. Uh -oh. But in like the beginning stages of my work, I had my camera just simple, regular, hanging around my neck with the regular neck strap. If, you, if any of you have uh, professional level cameras at home, it came with a neck strap, right? And that makes sense. That's functional for the everyday user the family man, whatever it may be. But that tool on me, it started to weigh down on me. You gotta think a six, eight, 10 hour day, I've got this six pound piece of equipment hanging from my neck. Six pounds doesn't sound like a lot, but when it's on this fine tuned joint here, it can weigh down on you. Until I've discovered there was another tool, it was a belt, and I could literally clip my camera into the belt putting it at my waist or my center of gravity. It then became, it, it then was then attached to like the foundation of my body. After that, I could go all day. Like I literally didn't, I didn't have any issues, no neck pains, nothing like that, just because it was at my waist. The same thing here. This is the exact thing that we have to look at or the, the exact thing that we uh, have to or can consider when we look at uh, the belt of truth. And that belt of truth being our salvation, that belt of truth being the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. It is the foundation of, of being at our center of gravity. When we have any uh, attacks, when the enemy comes, when we have any spiritual, just like I'm, I'm not going to go back, but just like the scripture says, when we have any uh, spiritual attacks, the, the things that are manifesting in our lives from a physical standpoint where we think that, oh man, for some reason I just can't get this bill paid. Oh, why? Why my, my best friend turned on me? Why did like... Okay, yeah, it's manifested here physically, but this is all spiritual warfare, just like the scripture says. So we have to be rooted in truth of the gospel, what Christ has said, what Christ has said about our lives, what Christ has said about our salvation, what Christ has said for our lives in, like, in the physical realm. We have to be rooted in that as well. So when these attacks come, we have the foundation that we're not blown away and we can, we can do a juke move. I hope you kept up with that, B. Uh, <laughs> I tried to put the moves on you, <laughs> But that's really it, right? So without, the, without that truth, without that truth in our foundation, in the belt, uh, Paul, in a way, he says that these things just fall away. The things that uh, we care about, the things that we're concerned with, the things that we want to stand through, he says that they just fall away. Uh, I'm going to go through it in scripture, actually. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. I'm going to be jumping around, too, so if y'all got your Bibles and you, like, are super fast flipping there, go ahead. But I'm going to read it for you. I'm going to throw it up on the screen, so... You're still good. But 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. In fact, the dead are not raised. He's, he's speaking in, in that perspective if he hasn't raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. 
Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Super, super powerful statement from a man who we know has been one of the greatest uh, ministers of the gospel, right? It's, it's having that, that faith that he says, and if you guys catch it, with the faith being true, that everything that we stand on, it, 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 it is crucial for us to actually have, actually be able to, to stand on and move in. So today I'm going to be talking about a lot of that, a lot of that today. All right, bear with me. Bear, bear, bear with me, hang with me. I got some time, though. All right. Uh, so, if we look at this belt here, right, this is what a Roman belt, soldier's belt, would have looked like. Um, you see how high it goes up on the abdomen? You see it protects the important things uh, as well. And this is pretty much how we have to look at, at our, our truth, right? at the truth of the gospel. It's massive protection. The crazy thing, though, is without this truth, this is the belt that we actually have on. It looks a lot like this instead. Bondage. Another reason I really like that song that, that we ended with, with worship, hell lost another one, I am free. Like, awesome words to say, but like, when you really put when you really put the picture to it, this is the, the bondage that we're free from when we have on the wrong belt or even no belt at all, right? So that brings me to the title of this lesson. Title of this lesson is, It's My Truth. Breaking the Chains. How many of y'all have heard that? Like people say, it's my truth. Like, you can't tell me it's my truth. Well, it's the truth. <laughs> There's only one truth. All right. Uh, but before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Uh, Lord, open up all of our hearts to not only accept the truth, but move and stand in your truth. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So. I got four truths for y'all today, all right? So it's not, it won't be too long, right? I, I, I feel like I consider myself to be kind of short-winded. Is that a thing, short-winded? You got long-winded and short-winded? Right? I'm not going to run out of breath, though, I promise. <laughs> but I got four truths for you guys, all right? Uh, so the number one, truth number one, it's valid. It's valid. And, and setting the foundation for what I'm talking about today. Um, right now, I'm coming at the head. I'm coming at our heads right now, right? Uh, a lot of our brain, the thinking. That's a piece of, that's a piece of our body that God put together as well. Um, but Wednesday, Wednesday, I'm coming for the heart. Right? Both in truth. So if y'all here, come back Wednesday because you're going to need the second part of this. I guarantee you. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay, but anyway. Uh... Truth number one is valid. Now, you all know the Bible is, uh, it's a book. It's, it's this thing that we base our lives on. Like, can we all agree on that? Can we agree on that? 
but who actually knows how to define the Bible? Like, has anyone ever, like, really thought about, like, say if someone came to you on the street, like, oh, what's the Bible? This, 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 this. They're trying to kind of test you a little bit. Anybody ever had that at all? I, I've had it. Anyway. Anyway, but I'm going to break it down for you guys, all right? The Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses that record supernatural events in fulfillment of specific prophecies and make claims that their writings are divine as opposed to human in origin. Can y'all say that? Y'all got that for next time it happens? One more? Okay. I'm going to say it slow. So take your notes. The Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses that record supernatural events that took, oh, thank you, man. They record supernatural events in fulfillment of specific prophecies and claim that their writings are divine rather than human in nature. Okay? That's a mouthful, but we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about it, so don't, don't worry, I got you. We're going to talk about it. Uh, but there are some crazy facts out here, right? Almost 30% of Americans think that the Bible is fake. Like, straight up, fake. Like, it's, it never, it's, a, it's just a collection of random stories made up. We can't take it for validity. We can't take it for anything. It's just fake. Now, 30% doesn't sound like a lot. But if you factor that in with all of the other beliefs out here, whether they're just complete atheists, whether they believe the Bible was written, but it's not divine, it makes up a huge thing, right? It makes up a huge thing. Now, this is important, right? Because if the Bible is fake, we just looked at what Paul said, and hey, we're just doing this for nothing. But how I believe and how we'll discover throughout the rest of this, this lesson today, the Bible actually being true, then everything in it is important. The Bible being true, everything in it that is said, that is written, that is shared is absolutely important. Now, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Look, hey, y'all got to. Okay, so I could get real nerdy on things that, like, I like to dig into. So y'all going to get nerdy with me today, all right? So here we go. Here we go. All right, so who knows what manuscripts are? Anybody know what a manuscript is? Maybe even from elementary school. Y'all remember used to write manuscript? At least. That's exactly what it is. It's handwritten. Now, manuscripts um, they are used to verify historical documents. So I'm giving y'all a foundation uh, of where I'm coming from as to why, this thing, why these things are so important. Uh, manuscripts, when it comes to historical documents, especially old, old, old historical documents, however many original manuscripts that these historians can find, the more valid uh, this piece of literature actually is. Okay? All right, so uh, with that, we're going to look at some important pieces of literature. <laughs> Some important pieces of literature in our past, in our history, all right? So I'm going to show you all something. I'm going to throw it up here. Okay. So I made some graphs. And let me just point them out to you guys. So the brown, the gray, whatever that is, look right here. Anyway, the, the brown, gray, dark color, excuse me, that is going to be how many years has gone past before these documents were, were found. Um, and then what's in the red is the number of actual manuscripts that are found. All right, so first thing we got up here is the accounts of Julius Caesar. Now, anybody who's been in any type of public private school and has taken a history class, you have heard the name Julius Caesar. And he's always talked about as a real person, right? 
Julius Caesar existed. We know exactly who he is. Great. Julius Caesar's accounts of the Gallic Wars, right? These are wars that actually took place. He has 200 manuscripts that were found, but they were found 900 years after the events took place. Cool. Next person, Plato. I don't know if you guys have ever heard his name. He's a really, really famous uh, old philosopher, right? So all of his writings, everything that he found, everything that he found about him. We got a little more validity here as far as historians are concerned with the manuscripts, right? So uh, Plato's writings, 210 manuscripts were found, and they were found 1,200 years after the proceedings actually took place, all right? Cool. We're getting a little more valid. See that? Aristotle. Anybody heard of Aristotle? Philosopher, right? Uh, his writings, they found over a thousand manuscripts at 1,200 years after the events actually took place. Now that's, that's sounding pretty good as far, aside from the first two that we looked at, right? All right? Okay, we're gonna keep going. The Iliad. Anybody ever heard of the Iliad? Iliad, really like long book, like super long. Uh, I wasn't trying to read it when I was in lit, <laughs> but that's another story. Anyway. The Iliad, they found over 1,700 manuscripts, original manuscripts of the Iliad, at just 400 years after the events took place. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that sounds very valid to me. Like, I'll, I'll believe it. And just in case you didn't know, the Iliad accounts, or excuse me, recounts the Trojan Wars. And we all know about the Trojan War, the Trojan horse, and they snuck in, and then they killed everybody in the castle, and like, it was really gory, but it actually happened. But anyway, uh, we got the Iliad, cool, super valid. Let's look at the Bible. Specifically, let's look at the accounts of Jesus Christ, which is that's what this whole thing is based on, right? We, we already looked at what Paul said. The Bible. Need I say more? The Bible has over 25,000 original manuscripts found, taking place just 75 years after the death of Jesus Christ. Can we end it here? <laughs> can, can we end it here? And, and, and knowing this and, and seeing, seeing this type of data, this type of, of evidence, we still have folks who will say, if God came and sat right next to me, I wouldn't believe. I mean, how much more evidence do you need? We, we, it's not like you can go back in time and say, ah, there's Jesus. Like, that's not how history works. I'm sorry. It didn't work like that when our children were born, but we still believe it because we got pictures. We got original manuscripts <laughs> 10 seconds after it actually happened, right? Right? So it's, it's, it's this type of information, it's this type of understanding that we have to have, right? This is why the Bible claiming to be uh, the inerrant word of God uh, is so crucial, it's so monumental, right? Because we have all of these, all of these corresponding and corroborating historical documents saying that, yeah, it's, it's actually actually happened. Look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that men, excuse me, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is inspired by God. I, I, I got I to pause there. Because we have, we have too, many, too many times or too many, uh, um, too many examples uh, of folks really trying to discredit the word of God. 
when he has said, and clearly 25,000 other people have said, this is really the real deal. Like, this is really what this is, what this is and what this needs to be. Right? Okay, so, my next truth. Did we, did we, y'all, are y'all with me? Y'all, that, that makes sense? Okay. My next truth. It makes sense. It just makes sense. It, it, it makes sense, right? Now, you may ask me, you may ask me, what makes sense? You ready for the answer? The Gospels. <laughs> the Gospels make sense. And if, if you're not, if you're not, um, not aware or, or learning or whatever it may be, new to the faith, uh, the Gospels are basically the accounts of Jesus Christ um, all the way up to his death and resurrection, which I'm going to say it again, like Paul said, is the whole reason why we're here. Because if we're not, it wouldn't matter. All right, anyway, the thing is, why are the Gospels so important? Why do the Gospels make sense? Does anybody in here like crime shows? I want to see bold hands raised. Raise them up. Raise them up. Okay, okay, we got some people here. All right, you got CSI, Law and Order, First 48, Dateline, Snapped. All right. I'm watching y'all, y'all ladies like snapped a little too much. <laughs> you having us men worry. <laughs> Are y'all taking notes? Like, what? Are, why do you have a notepad out? <laughs> well, anyway, what happens in these crime dramas, in these shows? Like, what, what, what happens for them to find who they're looking for? They go, they go talk to Jerome. They go talk to Jerome's mama, his mama's mama, his baby mama's mama. And they, and they really, they, they talk to all of these people to figure out and get to the end of their, their search, their, their, their mystery, whatever it may be. And what happens, most of the times they do, but they talk to all of these people, they get the evidence that they need to prove out who did it, who done it. Like they, they get the evidence. Now, this is, this is significant, right? Because what we'll have a lot of times is folks who, who may be skeptics or may not necessarily believe or may not want to believe, they'll try to go the route or point out the ways and say, oh, well, I need, you need to prove it to me. You need to, this, you need to, if God is real, then he'll send Jesus down right now and fam, that's not how history works. <laughs> like, that's not how history works. You don't, you don't look at history at any other part of your life and say, oh, I need to see it again. It's in the past. It's not coming back. It's not, it's, it's done. Now, we can believe that for all the other manuscripts that we went through, all the, the, the Gallic Wars and the Trojan Wars and all of that, we can see the man, this, this is why those manuscripts are so important. We can see that the, uh, the New Testament far, like, by a landslide, far outweighs it. Um, but when it comes to actual real life, we look at evidence and we accept it. We go to the court of law, the, the lawyer comes up with the evidence, some lawyers are truthful, some lawyers are... But they come with their evidence, they prove it to the jury, to the judge, and hey, it's, it happened. It happened. We can look at this the exact same way. We can look at the manuscripts uh, the exact same way. We can look at the Gospels the exact same way. You're not going to prove out Jesus Christ's existence by going back in time, uh, getting the DeLorean from, uh, from, from Doc, and going back in time and saying, hey, oh yeah, there's Jesus. No, you have to find the evidence and that's exactly what the Gospels are. It's evidence. We got four people, many more, but what we have recorded in the New Testament, we got four different people 
who give a story, an account, their, rem their rememberings, their tellings, their findings of Jesus Christ. And they're all cooperating. And some people will try to say, oh, they, they, they don't match. They contradict each other. Now, you find me ten people. You find me four people. Find me three people who will tell the exact same story of poo-poo getting shot the other day. One person is in Starbucks, right, around the corner. You got the other person who was actually sitting there right on the curb. And you got the other person who was, like, down the street, and his homeboy pointed to him and said, hey, somebody just got shot. They all are going to have a perspective. They all got a perspective, right? And it's all true. Like, it actually happened. Yes, Pookie got shot. But it may be a little different. Their perspectives were a little different, right? This, we, we, can't, we can't discredit, we can't discredit uh, uh, the actual findings. We can't discredit the story uh, of Christ because we think something may contradict when they all actually affirm each other. It's all affirmation, right? Excuse me, y'all. This bald head holds no, no sweat. I need some hair back. Uh, all right, so here's the thing. When we're looking at cooperating stories, we're looking at the cooperating stories of the gospel. Uh, we can then further trust those cooperating stories of the gospel because of what we already proved out and gave evidence for with the different 25,000 manuscripts uh, that are there. We can take these things as true. Now, here's the thing. Um, the biggest thing about having these cooperating stories is you can ver verify and validate with other people as well. It's not, it's not a big deal when we, when we go back and look and can say and can see, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. And he said it too. Oh, all right. Anyway, my next truth. There we go. Okay. Next truth. It's simply truth matters. It's simply truth matters. And this one is really simple. Truth matters simply because God says it matters. It, 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 we look at his commands. This is basically the first two things that he pointed out was in reference to truth. Look at the first commandment. First commandment says... Do not have any other gods besides me. Man, don't be, don't be listening to that fakeness. Don't be listening to that. We need the real. We need the real. You can look at, you can look at command number two. Uh, command number two says, do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or in the earth below or in the waters under the, under the sea. Uh, do not bow in worship to them and do not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. This is huge, right? Like when we're talking about idols, when we're talking about other gods, when we're talking about all these things that God is clearly saying is not true. And like, hey, I made you guys. <laughs> like, let's not get disrespectful here. Don't believe in any other gods but me or tell the truth and who you worship and who you praise and who's blessing you and protecting you and gave you life and is giving you salvation. Let's tell the truth about it. And the thing with the idols, it's not just pointing to uh, Molech or Zeus um, or Horus. I'm thinking of, of like all these other false gods that, that people love to talk about, right? 
Uh, th these idols are even pointing to um, your job, your career, the thing that you lift up in higher regard than God, the thing that, here you go, when your conscience gave you an inkling to get up at 2.30 in the afternoon after you just sat down, just got comfortable, about to watch first 48, and God said, pause it and go pray for 30 seconds. And you said, ah, I'll do it after the next commercial break. That's your idol now. Even above those things, we have to put God. He wants us to, he wants us to be true in him. Because he is the one, as I said, that gave us life. That's given us what we, <laughs> the thing that we work, the thing that we get to enjoy. The, the couch that we get to sit down on and, and watch our, our favorite crime drama. And get to chill and relax and have a good time with the ones that we love and all these different things. Put him first, is what he's saying. Don't make any other thing more true than me. Excuse me. Don't make me false. Keep me true over everything else. All right. Now, the thing is that God knows that fake isn't worth it. It's not worth our soul taking on these other guys or making something else to be an idol or whatever, whatever that may be, however that works in you, he knows it's not worth it. That's why he loves us. That's why he sent his, his son. Because he also knows that we can't help it. I said all that stuff a couple minutes ago. I, I hope y'all didn't think I was saying I was perfect. <laughs> I hope y'all didn't think I was saying I was perfect. Right? There are things that we create in our lives that are idols anyway. That's where our sin initially and ultimately comes from. Whether it's our anger, that's our idol. Whether it's our selfishness, that's our idol. Whether it's, like I said, our job, that's our idol. Whatever it may be, there's something in our lives that for whatever reason we have a hold on. Paul talks about how our, our inward man, our spirit, desires to please God, but the outward man, he's struggling. He's struggling. But that's why we have our Savior. That's why we have the Lord Jesus Christ here for us, right? So, Last truth, even the misguided believe, huh, what, that don't even make sense, Randy, that don't even make sense, I'll talk about it, right, okay, the reason I say this, like, this is the reason why they killed Christ, this is, this is, like, the reason why he's dead and was, was, uh, 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 uh hung on the cross, and ultimately, Thankfully, <laughs> why he raised on the third day, All right? So the thing is, right, as if the Gospels weren't enough, the accepted, the accepted documents, they push it forward as if those things weren't enough, especially with non-Christians. We're going to look at some of them. We're going to look at some of these non-Christians who talk about and give evidence to God themselves, not even knowing it. Isn't that like God? How you going can use the enemy to prove himself anyway. It's funny to me. <laughs> but anyway, first guy that we're going to look at, we're going to look at a couple people, right? Uh, I'm going to give you their names. We have a guy named Tacitus, and he was a Roman historian after the death of Jesus. And then we got, have a guy named Josephus. Uh, this guy Josephus is a Jew himself. So when I say Jew, know that he was raised up in the Jewish way. Uh, he was raised up knowing all the Old Testament, 
knowing all the prophecies, knowing all these things by heart. Keep that in mind. First guy. And what I'm going to do is going to read some, some excerpts from their accounts, okay? Now, this is from uh, Tacitus. And this is just 100 years after Christ died, right? Nero, Emperor Nero, Roman guy. Y'all can find the manuscripts on him. He existed. Nero fastened guilt on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Christus, that's my Roman accent, if y'all don't hear it. Christus, they talk about Jesus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of Pontius Pilate. <laughs> All this stuff. Scripture, right? And the most, the most mischievous superstition. Thus, mischievous superstition? Anyway, thus, checked for the moment, again, broke out not only Judea, the first source of the evil, but even in Rome. So we even here have this Roman historian, not a Christian, talking about Jesus, talking about him having followers, talking about him being uh, 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 executed, talking about a mischievous superstition in him raising from the dead, right? Um, and saying that all of this took place. Now, granted, he's going to have his perspective where he's trying not to push forward, but let's look at it closer. Let's look at it from another perspective. That was just 100 years. Let's look at Josephus's uh, account. This is 90 years after Christ died. These things, like, that's crazy, right? Like, 90 years... 90 years, some of our grandparents were still alive, right? 90 years ago, some of our grandparents were alive. Okay, Josephus says, now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as receive the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ or the Messiah or the Savior. And when Pilate, Pontius Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men among us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at the first did not forsake him. For he appeared to them alive again the third day, as the divine prophets had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him. And the, tri the tribe of Christians, so named from him, are not extinct at this day. And he ain't even a Christian. It's these types of things where we see examples of non-Christians either succumbing, submitting to the truth of the gospel, or trying to deny it, trying to talk bad about it, and still end up proving it. Why? Because we have cooperating stories. And we have 25,000 manuscripts giving us excellent evidence to those stories. Right? It's these types of things that we have to, have to be able to, to come to terms with ourselves um, for the non-believer, but even also for the Christian as we talk about our faith. Because, y'all, these things are going to come. The, these conversations that with our conversations with ourselves, awesome. We, we, know, we know the truth, so that's great. But what about the person that you're witnessing to? What about the person that you're talking to? What about your homeboy that may have heard some things and they sound not even true, on his opinion, they sound more true than what the Bible actually is. Just because they heard it through the, through the grapevine, 
that someone said, oh, the Bible ain't true. Didn't give him any evidence, didn't give him any proof, didn't give him any anything. Well, you got it now. You got it. You can, you can quote any and everything up here, and that should be more than enough, right? Now, just as our friend Joe alluded to, he, he talked about the prophecies, right? Now, what exactly are those prophecies for? Why? You heard me mention it a few minutes ago. Why are these prophecies uh, so relevant? Josephus being a Greek, he grew up in the Greek order. Uh, uh, he knows the Old Testament and all the prophecies. We talk about uh, uh, Isaiah. We talk about uh, um, 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 Elijah, Elisha. We talk about all of these prophets. What's the significance of that? Why is that so uh, uh, relevant? Why is that so um, important? Right? Well, there were things said in the Old Testament that pretty much alluded to or was the reasoning for Christ being killed as we see it, right? I mean, you don't just go around walking around saying that you're God and people are going to be cool with it unless they, unless they know, like the apostles and the disciples knew, right? It's funny, it's funny that there were people who weren't even like Jewish leaders back in those times that knew better. They knew the prophecies, like they knew it too. Everybody was Jewish, but there were Jewish leaders, the Pharisees that we hear about, the Sadducees that we hear about. They knew everything. But what, what the people who weren't the Jewish leaders and just grew up, they had belief. They had faith. Interesting. We might come back to that. <laughs> we had, they had faith. But anyway, um, let's look at some of these prophecies, right? Uh, the first one that I want to look at uh, is actually, is actually, boy, Jesus was bold. Y'all, like, if y'all have read through the Gospels, y'all would see that Jesus was a bold, bold man. He had every reason to be, too. I mean, he's God, so don't get no more bold than that. But there was a moment uh, in Scripture where Jesus uh, has come into uh, conflict, if you will, with some of those, those, those Jewish leaders that I'm talking about. Um, and they were asking him what, what was going on. And what he said, this is, this is in John chapter 8, Jesus answered, told them, truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, that sounds like bad English to me. Like, we don't talk like I don't. I don't know about y'all. I don't talk like that, right? Like, before, before my dad was, I am. Like, that doesn't make sense. Huh? Are you, like, what you mean you, you are? Like, speak right. Who, who learned you how to spoke? I don't get it. But this is actually a, a reference that Christ was pulling back, right? He's pulling this back actually from Exodus. And we all have heard this story. And I'm going to read it for you guys. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Then Moses asked God, If I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you. And they ask me, What's his name? What should I tell them? That's Moses talking to the burning bush. Or God. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, Jesus, knowing his audience, knowing who he's talking to, he knew that that would get aroused out of those religious leaders. He knew that he would, if he were to say and basically claim that I am God, that's going to make him like, make him shut up, at least for once. Because they probably about getting on his nerves. Like, look, I told y'all what this is. <laughs> now, let me do my work. Let me do my work. 
But th this, is, this is one of those prophecies that I'm talking about as to what and why it proves out what the truth is and who Christ actually is. But there's another one that I want to go over. Um, uh, it's actually very chilling for me, um, me personally. But this is a prophecy about Jesus' death in the Old Testament from the prophet Isaiah. And the interesting thing about it, with this prophecy, Christ met every single thing detailed out by Isaiah. This is why the New Testament prophecy, or excuse me, the New Testament books um, are so prolific, are so profound. Why the Gospels cooperating with themselves, why the manuscripts and the manuscripts and the manuscripts being uh, uh, cooperated as evidence is so profound and so important. I'm going to read it. Isaiah 53, you start at verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men. Interesting. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. Interesting. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. And we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shears. He did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment and who considered his fate. For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was with a rich man at his death. Because he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When you make him a guilt offering, he will see his seed, he will prolong his days, and by his, land, by his hand, the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. Man. After his anguish, he will see light and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will, just, will justify many, and he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as a spoil, because he willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels, yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. Now, that was written centuries before Christ even touched the earth. Yet everything that was detailed to the T is what happened at his death. This, this, is why, this, is, this is exactly why on the cross, Christ yells out, it is finished. It's done. Everything that we just read there in Isaiah 53 is, is fulfilled. The prophecy is complete. And I want y'all, if, if nothing else, as we talk about truth today, as we talk about all of this, this brain, like I said, I'm coming for you guys' heads. As we talk about uh, uh, all of this brain and this knowledge, just know that it ends here. 
begins there as well. It, it, it's right there. Like, like this, this, is, this is the perfect place to, to, to close everything down, right? As we move into what we're going to talk about uh, uh, later on this week, but this is exactly why the truth is so important. This is why our faith being in that prophecy, and more importantly, our faith being in that prophecy and that prophecy being fulfilled by the blood of Jesus Christ, why we have the life that we have right now, why we have salvation, why we know hell lost another one, I am free, and we can get up out of that grave. Y'all should go back and listen to that song, right? But this is, this is why we can move in that confidence. This is why we can move in that uh, um, um, in that understanding and the knowledge of the truth being our belt and our foundation. And we don't have to worry about anything anymore. We don't have to struggle about anything anymore. We don't have to worry about the sins of our past because that stuff is, that stuff is washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have no reason to second guess it. We have no reason to, to ever think um, um, or, or, or possibly uh, begin to conceive what uh, someone may try to put a negative seed in our mind when we already have the truth. We're standing flat-footed with this belt around our waist, knowing where our foundation is and knowing who our foundation is in Jesus Christ. We don't have to, to second-guess or worry about this anymore. It's done. It's over. It's finished. Your salvation is set and sealed. Sealed. I, I, I got to finish with this. I love, like I told y'all, nerd out with me today, but I love finding um, different wordings of the gospel in scripture. We all know John 3.16, and that's amazing, but I, I, love, I love how it was detailed um, in 1 Peter. I've really been kind of like meditating and just soaking in this uh, for the last couple weeks. Um, but it's 1 Peter chapter 1, excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God, our, excuse me, blessed be the God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into inheritance that is, this is what I really want y'all to focus in on into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's the God that we serve. That's why whatever it is that we did last night, whatever it is that you did 20 years ago, that may be tormenting you for whatever reason, and you just can't give it up in the back of your mind, you don't have to worry about that. The truth about this, the gospel that I just read, releases you from all of that. And you can stand on that truth because it says it's imperishable. It says it's undefiled and unfading and it's kept for you in heaven. So if anybody here or anybody online has been having for whatever reason, any trouble second-guessing that. Uh, ministers, if y'all want to come, come up, please feel free. But if anybody online, if anybody here has been uh, second-guessing that, having troubles, having, having anything with that, any issues with that, I invite you for number one, give your faith and belief in Jesus Christ. 
If there's been anything that you've been struggling with, knowing that you can put your faith in Christ and Christ alone and everything be done, washed away, your sins forgiven, you're all good, or simply need prayer, feel free. I invite, I invite anybody and everybody to come up to the front for, for prayer. Um, but just take this with you guys. These are the truths that we have. These are the truths that we can sit on. These are the truths that we can, can rely on and what Christ did for us. And it's true. It's, it's proven. We don't, we don't have to second guess it. It's not my truth. It's not Tisha's truth. It's not John's truth. It's the truth. It's his truth. And that's all we have to stand on.